Don't say anything. I'm just going to compose myself. Okay. You're so tempted to say something. I know you are. fans and welcome to another edition of Fratello On Air. I'm reliably informed that this is the 20th episode of our podcast coming to you from Dresden today via The Hague, where RJ is uh, waiting for us. Hi RJ, how are you doing? Hi Rob, I'm good, and you? I'm very well, yes, I am Rob, Rob Nuds, the other RJ on the team, and the first time I've been taking part in an official Fratello podcast. So, True. Yeah, what's, no, it's, the, uh, what's the J in your name? It's James, James, um, oh. you know, mixing it up. My brother's got John, so between us, we uh, we almost have yours. But it's very strange for me to not be the RJ in the team. You know, that's what I'm my family You are the RJ, the uh, the original RJ. Ooh. The OG RJ. OG RJ, as we like it. So, episode 20 for Tello on Air. It's, uh, it's coming of age. You know, are we in season two now? Is that how it rolls? We are in season two. I actually... Um made it season two i think is it is the third episode in season two if i'm not mistaken well i like that i like that you've created your own canon that we're living by now you know everyone else just has to play ball with yeah how you roll uh so today we have uh, we have some pretty good stuff to talk about actually it's a seiko focused podcast and as we know from our beloved readership the fratelli uh, Seiko is a very popular brand on FratelloWatches.com and we want to dig into a little bit of the new, a little bit of the old and a little bit of what is yet to come. So let's first talk about what we did last week in regards to Seiko. What were you up to, RJ? Well, I did a, a couple of things last week, of course, but um, I think most important was that I uh, had a lot of fun in doing a little write-up that was published last Sunday about my the, the five Seiko watches that make me happy. And um, and they do, actually. And I, I have a few of those I listed, uh, or I had uh, uh, one of those listed. But um, yeah, I think it's a very versatile brand. And um, you can go from, from dress watches with their Presage uh, collection to, uh, to something... Uh, Simple and reliable, like an SKX007 or a Seiko 5 Sports. Um, and you can go a bit towards Grand Seiko, I would say, with uh, something from the Marine Master uh, collection that's uh, part of the Prospects uh, lineup. Um, so, yeah, I did that. I did this write-up, and uh, we got a lot of traction there. So that also made us decide a bit to, to go uh, ahead with this uh, Seiko special uh, podcast. Um, and another thing, I was on a podcast last week, or I have to say I recorded the podcast last week, but it's in Dutch. It is from a podcast channel called Mannen van de Tijd. Um, that sounds very Dutch, and it is. And um, they only do podcasts, and it's only in Dutch. And we, uh, yeah, we talked about watches, including uh, Seiko and Grand Seiko. So if you're Dutch, make sure to check them out. Or if you're learning Dutch. I mean, I, I have no... Uh aspirations to learn dutch but it might be a good starting point it might pique my interest could be yeah you already moved to dresden as a 
yeah. That's a, I kind of kind of missed uh, missed the Netherlands. I flew all the way over the top of it, and uh, I have to go back on myself now to come come up to see you. But we won't be able to do any of that anytime soon, uh, will we? Because the coronavirus has reared its ugly head once again and has uh, closed borders, making things a little bit difficult for Team Fratello to move around the continent as we would. Yeah. Normally yeah, luckily in the past few weeks we uh, we had some uh, some uh, some meetings here at headquarters in The Hague, and uh, um, you were not here, but Mike and Palash were here, and uh, we have a new guy uh, coming up, Dave. He was here, and um, yeah, unfortunately, traveling stopped again, and even f- uh, it's un- impossible for us to travel to Germany and Switzerland at this moment. Yeah, we'll see how things develop, monitor the situation yeah. and whatnot, but hopefully we'll be back together soon because it was nice that brief window of. Uh, Fraternization. Um, yeah. No one to, of a better to speak word. in your uh, language, Genauso. Genauso. Uh, so, uh, what did you do like, last week? What did I do last week? Well, I was Watch mostly. Wise, huh? oh, oh, you don't want to know about my personal life. It's probably for the no. best, I suppose. Uh, well, I actually came back um, off holiday the week before. So I had a lot to mine through. I was mostly buried in emails and desperately trying to catch up with writing, but one of the brief respites I had last week was a chance to write about the new uh, the new Alpinist models, as we've dubbed them, as many have dubbed them because of their uh, numerals and their hand combinations. So this is a new sub-collection of uh, Seiko Prospects line, which isn't officially branded as Alpinist, but shares a lot of the DNA traits of the uh, popular Alpinist models, which, well, I suppose the ones that we uh, were aligning them to uh, made their hay in the 90s, right? So the Alpinist name's been around for quite a long time, but the original ones on the Seiko laurels didn't look anything like what we're talking about today. So that was fun. We'll dig into that a little bit more later, I think, uh, after we've touched upon our favorites from the old and new catalogs, because um, the Alpinist is it's big news, isn't it? And uh, it's a nice collection. It does something a little bit different. It seems to merge the Prospects line with the uh, with the Pressage line, I think. But we'll talk about that in a little while. So before we dive into the history of Seiko and uh, discuss our favorite models from the past, let's first do the mandatory wrist check. RJ, what do you have on today? Or handgeling controller, as Mike or and I uh, love to, uh, to use this this non-existing phrase. Uh, well, it exists now, I guess. You coined it. You've got history. You've got previous with coining phrases. Hashtag yeah, Spring Tuesday. D- Daniel, uh, he uh, he uh, got a bit angry with me because I was also using German phrases that that really don't exist. Because sometimes I mail him and I say I say Worte word up, <laughs> and, I, and I and I email him and say Worte hoch, and then he says no one ever said that in German. This is how language develops. You just got to be open to it. You know, yeah, we're, you, have we're to, right. get some, you have to get some street cred in Germany. So here you go. Um, what I'm wearing um, on the ring. We don't want yeah, to know. Yeah, of course. Oh, yeah. of course. Today I'm wearing my uh, my Grand Seiko. I only have one. Uh, 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 yet still, I have to say because I want to definitely add to uh, add another one. But I'm wearing my Grand Seiko. It's the Mount Iwate, the SB uh, J uh, SBGJ two hundred one. Sorry, the G and the J is a bit similar in uh, English. Um, pronunciation but the sbgj201 it's the mount iwate with the gmt and with the silvery white uh, uh, dial it's my only grand seiko and i uh, yeah i really love it it's a high, it has a high beat movement it's a joy to uh, to to look the the, the yeah to observe the smooth uh, second hand and the gmt comes in handy 
if you can travel. And um, at first, I wasn't too happy with the bracelet because of the Speedmaster style look that I don't particularly like. But I have to say, it's really well done and it wears very comfortable. So I'm uh, warming up to it. You know, it's an interesting model. Um, it's just it's exactly what Grand Seiko does very well. It, it just takes uh, a clean design and executes it uh, pretty much as well as can be done. And whenever I've seen that model on paper or on the website, I've just been so thoroughly uninspired by it. I wondered why, in God's name, you chose it. And then when I actually saw it in real life and I got the chance to put it on the wrist, it was one of those dials, one of those... Uh, confluences of, of style and color that just never seem to get old. It gets more and more interesting every time I looked at it. I mean, I only had it on my wrist for a couple of days, but um, yeah, I get it now. I get it. And I think uh, you really have to see a lot of the Grand Seiko stuff in, in person, in the metal, as we say, to get a good feel for it. Would you agree? Yeah. I would agree. And definitely also with the case that uh, that it's using, it's the 44 GS uh, style case. And it's it's super difficult to capture on uh, on pictures. Um, I let Bert take some pictures of the watch, so we'll include them in the show notes on uh, fratellowatches.com. But um, yeah, it's incredibly difficult to to take a proper picture that that uh, captures the the case uh, properly. Um, but yeah, it's a beautiful watch. I have to say, I was more in favor of the Snowflake in the past, but I did a very long write-up about this last year why i uh, eventually went for the for the for the gmt but it's it's exac- exactly what you say you have to see it in the flesh because on paper i was a bit more drawn towards the snowflake but right when i had the two pieces next to each other in the flesh um i quickly decided to to go forward with the with the with the one i have the gmt yeah. that was a short-term decision that said uh, long-term gains i'm sure uh, it yeah, really it took is. Me, I think a, about like a year to take a decision which which um, which Grand Seiko I wanted to buy. And it's quite a long time for you. This one. It's very long, but it's also that I receive so many emails, and probably you do as well, from readers that want advice about the watch that they want to purchase, and they really want to make sure that the watch they purchase is the one that they want to keep. And I have. I have to admit I've become a bit spoiled that I, I the watches that I collect and buy, I, I most of the time I decide rather quickly. But mm-hmm. this time I, I wanted to do it differently. I wanted to pick the watch that I really thoroughly will enjoy and that I want to keep forever and so on and so on. I want to buy the right watch uh, from this brand. For me, it was the first purchase of a Grand Seiko. And I want to make the right purchase. Um much like many of our readers uh, do when they contact me. They say, I want to buy the, the perfect Speedmaster for me or the perfect uh, Rolex or the perfect Seiko or the perfect Grand Seiko. Hmm. And um, yeah, for me, I, so I made a little bit of a study out of it. And um, well, you did your I due diligence. I did my due diligence. And uh, it was fun to do because it, it, had, it was a long time ago when I did that for the last time, I have to say. You, you go a bit on autopilot mode if you're involved in watches, uh, basically every day of the week, uh, professionally as well as, well, it's also still my hobby and my passion. Um, but you go a bit into autopilot mode when, when buying watches or, or selecting watches, and I found it very uh, refreshing to, to to go through the entire uh, phase of, of, of research and study and uh, making sure you're buying the right watch for you. To feel like a pure consumer again, that must be nice, yeah. Yeah, perhaps. I, it's same when I buy a... I, recently, I bought a new television, and 
last year I bought a new car and uh, yeah, you, you, you do these, these yeah, studies, yeah. you Google, you read reviews, you watch reviews on YouTube and so on. And um, I wanted to do the same again for a watch that I want to purchase and add to my collection. That's nice. It's also nice that readers actually email you with questions. I mostly get hate mail and uh, death threats. I can imagine. Yeah. yeah, well, you know, I try and cultivate the contrarian contrarian position of the team just so, so we've got a figure of hate. Uh, can't all be too nice and approachable. And uh, it suits me quite well, I think. So um, good, good, uh, good choice for today. Uh, do you want to know what I'm wearing? Yeah. Don't touch that bullet. Tell me. I'm not going to tell you. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to keep that on ice for a little bit. I'm going to hide You're it. Dodging I the bullet. I'm dodging the bullet. Yeah. I'm, I'm dodging that, the bullet. That speedy. I'm going to take a sidestep. I'm going to come back to it. I won't, I won't keep it from you indefinitely. I will tell you, but right now I don't want to talk about it. I'm, I'm feeling, I'm feeling a bit coy. I'd like instead to ask you a question. I'd like you to dive into the history of Seiko for me, if you would be so kind and to dig out of this extensive back catalog, your very favorite Seiko watch of all time. Super difficult, and I don't want to 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 lie. I I thought about this, and I I, I wrote this article last weekend, which was about uh, my, the the five modern Seiko watches that make me happy. Um, but of all time, is super super difficult because uh, I have I have a number of Seiko watches in my collection, from vintage to to new, basically, and. Um, I, I love each of them for the, for their own reason. One is that uh, one is a digital Seiko from the 80s that was used by uh, uh, one of my favorite astronauts in space in 85 during the space shuttle mission, STS-61A, uh, verbal occults. Um, another one is uh, reminds me of the one that Arnold Schwarzenegger wore, the, the Arnie, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have to say... I will, I will get to the to my all-time favorites in a moment. Um, I had a um, grandfather tuna, the 6159-7010, uh, and I sold it at some point um, to fund the, the Grand Seiko. Uh, I'm, not a, I'm not that much of a baller. I have to free up funds as well if I uh, make an expensive purchase. Shada. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, it's a bit p- pity to to let it go, but it went into a into a uh, into good hands, a collector and 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 I think a collector of diving watches uh, uh, from Belgium, if I remember correctly. And I love that watch, but I, to be honest, the first time I saw that watch was on the wrist of a friend, and he had the SBDX zero uh, eleven, which is a Ooh. modern. Seiko Marine Master Thousand is basically the modern version of the the grandfather father tuna, and I also know that Mike Stockton has one, and um, I really love that watch. And I had that watch from my my friends for for review, and I, I, I wore it for a few days. And uh, that's actually the watch I wanted to purchase as a as a souvenir when I was in Japan the first time to visit Seiko and Grand Seiko. They didn't do the split up then yet in 2015. But I was very thorn between these two. I already had the Marine Master 300 at the time, the SBDX001, and I want really wanted to add a, a tuna, and I couldn't make the decision, and I didn't want to make a, a, a last-minute call when I was in in Tokyo, and uh, back on the plane to Amsterdam again. I thought oh, I'm going to try to get an old one, and I found one on eBay, and I bought it, and. Um, 
that was the one I had. But still, if I look at the watch today, I wore that that grandfather tuna not very often, um, and that's an understatement. And uh, but I love the watch. But it's vintage. It it's a bit uh, yeah the, the 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 inlay was a bit loose. It was a bit. It's a nice watch, but it's a vintage watch. You know what I mean? It's not something suitable for everyday wear. I think. But I love the story, and I met the designer of the watch, and I got this book, and I got it signed, and it's it was uh, an amazing experience in Japan, and that made me buy that watch. And uh, although I regret selling it a bit, oh, this is a long story. Um, I do love the new the, the marine the, the Marine Master Thousand. I the SBDX uh, 011 is super super nice, but I also have to say, I also like the the one with the rose gold. Plating on the on the bezel and the crown, which would make it uh, SBDX uh, 014, and they call it the Emperor Tuna in rose gold, which I really like. Um, and if I have to add another one of those, it would not be the vintage one. I uh, I would be really in between the SBDX 011, so all the black case, black shroud. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, a rubber strap or the one with the rose gold elements but my all-time favorite here we go favorite yes um it's owned by the that same friend who introduced me to the to the to the tuna the sbdx uh, 011 it's the spacewalk Ooh, and i'm not yeah and i'm not sure if you're really familiar with it because it was quite a special watch um when it was um, introduced um it was introduced and developed to be worn in space um if i'm not mistaken this watch was uh, introduced in 2008 by seiko and it's called the, the Spacewalk Spring Drive SPS uh, 005. This isn't the, the one with the crazy like bullhead case that you're talking yes, about. Yes, that's the one. Man, so that's it, nuts it's, a, watch. it's a bullhead case. It has a, a strange, a bit of a weird dial layout. It has a it has a, a power reserve, and but it's a crazy watch. And one of my <laughs> uh, my dearest friends, uh, he has one, and he wore it for a long time as his daily wearer. It's unbelievable. No and there are only way. like 100 pieces or so are around of this watch. What? And um, he had a very, I, I can't say the number, but he had a very, very nice number of this watch. And at the time when it was introduced, I think, whether it was 2008 or, well, so, so I think it was around 2008. Perhaps one of our listeners know it exactly. And, um, I think it was a. It had a huge price tag, like like twenty five or thirty thousand uh, US dollars um, at the time. Smokes. Yeah, and I remember this friend telling me that he went just he went into a Seiko dealer and he said, "I want to have the spacewalk." And the guy at the Seiko dealer, he didn't even know what it was, and he said, "Oh, I can order any Seiko you want because yeah, I'm a Seiko dealer." And he ordered it, <laughs> <laughs> and he came back from the office uh, to the to the to the to the front of the store, and he said, "Are you really sure you want to order this watch? Because it has a huge price tag." Yeah, I checked it out. Your uh, said, yeah. your article from 2016 uh, says it was launched in 2008, and it was retailing at 28,000 US dollars at the oh, time. Oh yeah, exactly, exactly. And, and he said, "Yeah, go ahead," and and I really want it. And um, so he ordered it, and he has it, and he put his very nice. 
I think a strap on it, uh, this this leather strap. Yeah, the custom made st- uh, made strap for this watch. Um, it's in the article. I'll put the link in the, in the show notes. Good. But I think that mm-hmm. that is. Uh, I think that's my all time favorite cycle because it's so super special, lightweight. Wow. It's very readable. Uh, the chronograph, it's indeed a bullhead. It was used in space, if I'm not mistaken, by an astronaut, uh, Garriott. And, um, yeah, so it was on board, uh, I think, of the, uh, of the, space, uh, of the of space mission. Um, and it was not the first cycle, because before you had this, uh, this uh, the, the digital one that I was talking about that uh, was on board of uh, space shuttle missions, because a lot of ESA, so European Space Astronauts, wore this exact same watch. They bought some of these astronauts, I think they bought a, uh, quite a number of these watches, and they, uh, they, uh, yeah, they, they handed them out to uh, European Space Agency astronauts. And... Um, so they made a little procurement deal there, I guess. And uh, well, where, uh, well, well, and before well. that, it was the, I think the Poke, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Colonel William Poke wore his watch during the Skylab Four mission in '73, '74, and um, he wore he wore the Poke. And I still don't have that watch. I need to have a Poke. That's oh, that's point. silly. That's just silly, RJ. With the amount of stuff you've got, come on, man. Yeah, Pull your I know. Around. I, uh, I need one. So that would be my favorite sake of all times would be the spacewalk. And it's perhaps also it's a safe choice beca- because it's a bit of a, an obtainium. Once mm-hmm. in a while, you, there's one for sale, one of the hundred. But the prices are, yeah, it's something I cannot afford. Um, so that, that makes it a bit an obtainium for me. Um, so I'm pretty sure I will end up with one of the, the other watches I mentioned, the Marine Masters, uh, the Tunas. But um, yeah, this spacewalk is just amazing. Yeah, definitely. So that's my all-time favorite. Damn it! I wish I'd gone first. Uh, you kind of <laughs> surprised me there with that curveball. I wasn't expecting something quite so ridiculous. Um, it's it's certainly a striking-looking watch. Um, <laughs> you know, around the same time that this was released, I think I was obsessed myself with these scalloped uh, case sides that you can see. It's hard to tell when you look at the spacewalk straight on, it looks like a pretty sleek, humble watch, but from the sides, you can see the case is quite, it's quite interesting how they cut out the sides to reduce the weight and uh, make it fit a little bit close to the wrist. I believe was a whole point of the case shape, but wow, what an unusual piece. So to follow that up, I am going to bring us back to, uh, well, reality, certainly back down to earth. Haha, <laughs> no pun intended. Uh, and I am going to say that my favorite Seiko of all time goes right back to the start of their dive watch history with the Seiko Silver Wave J12082. Wow. And yeah, it's a, it's a nice one. It's classic. Uh, it's certainly different from yours. Perhaps, perhaps couldn't be much further away from it considering mine is at least the first step into the uh, the shallows of the ocean um, and yours is designed to take us to galaxies new. But um, yeah, the silver wave for me is aesthetically, if not technically, uh, the greatest Seiko of all time. Um, it is a beautiful piece. The very first one that was released, um, it kind of eschewed like the current trend for compressor cases with uh, twin crowns and went for a single crown construction still had the internal rotating bezel which was operated by this crown uh, which was not screwed iron and uh, didn't actually have manual winding which is how like the internal bezel 
uh, was uh, able to be actuated. You could pull it out and set the time, obviously, uh, after you'd set your dive time or before, if you prefer. And its case is gorgeous. It, it, its lugs uh, are multifaceted and I think are uh, still seen today in, in the current collection in different forms. You can see that inspiration, that DNA, that thread, like continuing. The dial is gorgeous. Uh, the loom markers, which were quite uncommon for Seiko at the time, and it really marked it as like a, a step in a sporty direction, are uh, on the inside of the hour markers. Now, I don't think this is the best place for them in terms of pure readability, but it certainly looks cool, looks different, and it gives a watch a real character. But the best thing about the dial, do you know what I'm going to say, RJ? Do you know what the best thing about the original uh, Silver Wave dial is? No, tell me. It's the typeface. I like a, I like a nice, clean typeface. I like, I like my fonts to be uh, more professional than Comic Sans and less... Uh, in your face than impact somewhere between that. And normally I would completely uh, run a mile from something so elegant and cursive and script like as what we see on this uh, psychomatic silver wave, but it's beautiful. There's a lot of writing and I have to say it's a bit, um, the the font reminds me a bit of um, these, uh, these jukeboxes, uh, Wurlitzer. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, American diners and uh, watching uh, Happy Days with the fans. Uh, well, um, I'm not really miles away from you. I, th- to me, it reminds me of I Dream of Genie. Okay, you, you remember that? You remember that show with uh, with Genie that used to, you know, she 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 was just. Well, I mean, you don't remember it? No, I never watched it. I don't think we had <laughs> it here in the Netherlands. It's it had Barbara Eden and uh, Larry Hagman in it and. It was basically, it was like Bewitched. It was that kind of, you know, did you have Bewitched? You know, with like a regular guy living with this fantastical woman. And in Bewitched case, it was a witch. And in I Dream of Genie's case, it was a genie. And she could, she was a genie, you know, like wishes and whatnot. And you should know all about this. Larry Hackman played an astronaut. We you had Saved by the Bell. Well, I, I'd Saved by the Bell as well. This is a lot. This predates <laughs> Saved by the Bell by, by a lot. I mean, when, I know. No, I, I don't think we had this, to be honest. I Dream of Genie was 1965 to 1970. So it's right in the wheelhouse of this, uh, this, this Seiko-matic. It's that same kind of era, at least. Um, and you can see this, this kind of class, this design. It, it can't be pulled off as effortlessly these days. It always feels a little bit, a little bit try-hard or a little bit chintzy in here. It just it looks natural. And there's like four different types of font on that dial, which is normally a big no-no. But somehow... And you can disagree with me here, and I think you probably do, but I think it hangs together really, really well. And I think it's something very special because normally that would be a headache in a dial. It would be a mess, but it's just perfection in layout, in my opinion. It's nice. And um, a few months ago, we did a, a video. Mike and I did a, recorded a video on um, Psycho Divers, like the Psycho Divers history. Mm-hmm. From those first watches like the Silver Wave to the current uh, current ones, and um, you can check it out on our YouTube channel, uh, Fortello. And um, it's pretty it's a good. Video, I think from July or August, where we uh, where we uh, put the video out on uh, on our channel. But it's a really nice video. It's like like forty minutes or an, close to an hour about t- talking about Seiko Diver watches. So you'll love it. And this this uh, Silver Wave is in there as well. 
it's gorgeous. And, you know, the Seiko collection needs this to come back. You know, we talk about the laurels and we talk about the alpinists, but we're not talking about the silver wave. Where is a classy, smaller diver? Where is that? I want to say it's 37 millimeters in diameter, this thing. You know, with a four o'clock crown, that wears really, really nicely. And the bracelet, you know, it's a nice looking bracelet. It's not amazing. You could get rid of that and stick it on a nice NATO or rubber strap and it would look really up to date. I think it would look cool. I think it's time to see uh, a rebirth of the silver wave. I'll buy one. I'll buy two. That's a promise. Yeah, I mean, if they're reasonably priced, which I'm sure they will be. There's no reason why they shouldn't be. Um, yeah. Time okay, is right. Good. And then let's 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 make a step. This is our favorite Seiko of all times. If we look at today, and let's rule out Grand Seiko, only Seiko. That's what we are talking about today. What would be your favorite Seiko from this year? From this year, okay. So um, it's a big it's a big year. They do the, did a lot of <laughs> a lot of introductions, and I and I would be very surprised if there would be a few more in the months to come. Well, yeah, it's been a it's been a great year so far, and I'm sure there will be more to come, and I'm excited for it. If Seiko continues the current trend um, of of excellent releases, then we're in for a treat before the year's out. But for me, the winner at the moment is is quite clear. Um, it was immediate uh, love when I saw it for the first time. It's the uh, <laughs> uh, SRPE 33K1 Prospects model, and that is for those of you that don't memorize serial numbers like me. Uh, that's the Samurai uh, Safety Ocean Special Edition with the manta rays um, floating across the dial. And it's what's on my wrist right now. That's why I was hiding it from. Ah. I, didn't, I didn't want to bury the lead there. You know, this is the one that I'm wearing. It's the, uh, it's the only model I've bought from the current collection uh, from this year's catalog. And I think that I might also buy myself the green Safani. That's definitely in the number two slot for me because that is an ace watch. For a really, really good price. Um, but you can't quibble at the price of this prospects either. Um, it's around 700 euros uh, retail. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's for a good cause. You know, it's promoting the Save the Ocean cause. Those dials, uh, I like them on the Turtles. I like them on the Samurais. They are a bit hit and miss sometimes for me. Sometimes they come off really, really nice, like they have done this year. Sometimes they yeah. are a little shiny, in my opinion. Um, but this one for me was was awesome. I love Manta Rays. I really do. Uh, it's, it's not a joke. It's what swung it for me. I, I don't. I don't get excited about many animals, but I do enjoy going to an aquarium or an oceanium, as I as I visited recently in Poland, and uh, having a good look at these manta rays. They're they're really beautiful creatures, and it's a tranquil looking dial, sweet legible layout, good size. You know, the samurai wears a lot smaller than it looks. Uh, a lot smaller than it's. Um, 43.8 millimeter diameter suggests it's only 12.8 millimeters thick uh 200 meters water resistance a bracelet which i'm probably going to change at some point and stick out you know put a, a black rubber nato on there because i'm a okay you know i'm a one-dimensional loser but that's what i like that's how i that's how i roll uh but yeah for me the srpe 33k1 is an absolute stunner and uh and, yeah and it has a 4r 35 movement right it does have the 4R35, which has automatic uh, winding and manual winding capacity, power reserve of 41 hours, sapphire crystal, um, nice, bright, lumi bright on the hands, indexes, and the bezel. I can't complain. It does everything. And you know what's nice about it? I, I often hate I hate 
dates on watches. I don't like the way that they often jar with a design and really make a mess of it. But there's something about the uh, the artfulness of this background to begin with um, that benefits from the slight interruption and the dead space of the white date at three o'clock. I'm okay with it for once. Normally it would wind me up. If this was a flat blue dial, I'd be like, damn it, give me a flat blue date with white print. But instead, for me, this really works. So big fan all around. But what about you? What's your what's your pick from this year? My pick from this year, I actually uh, wrote it down in the article last week. Um, if I look at this year, the limiteds are really good. The Divers Watch limited editions uh, they uh, introduced earlier this year, I think in March. Um, that's the SLA 37, 39, and 41 uh, with the blue dials and blue straps. Um you calling that I blue? really love those. Is that blue? It, yeah, it's dark blue. It's dark blue. blue. Something like blue, gray, green, blue, whatever. Yeah. Well, yeah, perhaps I'm colorblind a bit, but I think it's blue. And um, I have to say, with all the Marine Master and Tuna violence that I just unleashed on you a few minutes ago, I think I, I should go for the SLA 41, SLA 041. It's it's a uh, yeah it's a Marine Master thousand. They don't call it that um, um, on the dial anymore, I guess. And it's a huge thing. It's a forty uh, fifty two point four diameter <laughs> case, and super thick, like seventeen uh, millimeters. And um, it's a beast. It's, it's a beast. And um, yeah, I, I like it. It's um, I think it's a beautiful watch, and it has a. Uh, automatic movement. Uh, I don't die. I'm not a diver by any means. Um, I have a, the the. I have some sort of swimming diploma, the, the, the entry level swimming diploma I have in the Netherlands. So I'm now being laughed at by old Dutch people. Uh, I have a swimming diploma A, and my daughter has uh, has even more than that. And she's uh, when she was six. I'm a bad swimmer, um, but I love diving watches. Yeah. Um, all the more need for a diving watch because you're not going to be on the surface for that long. You just sink. Exactly. And I can sink quite a bit because 1,000 meters, as you can go quite a, quite a way. <laughs> but it has, a, it has the 8L35 uh, movement, which is the movement um, uh, also in the, in the Marine Master that I have. And uh, the base for that movement is actually a Grand Seiko movement, the 9S55. And I don't think they still use that movement anymore, but they, they share the same base. Um, the regulation is a bit different and the finish is a bit different, but uh, the construction is uh, more or less the same. And um, also with these higher end prospects collection, like this, uh, this uh, uh, SLA 37, 39, 41, they are made in the same factory as where the Grand Seiko uh, mechanical uh, watches are coming from. I've been there a few years ago and they are assembled there and, um, it's the same manufacturer, so it it really shows the the yeah the the, the quality in these watches. They come from the same factory, and um, it shows if you have them in your hands. And uh, I have this, like I said, I have this Marine Master uh, three hundred SB SBDX 001. It has the Zaratsu polishing, and it really looks brilliant. Um, it's a beautiful watch, and I think this this Marine Master thousand is of the same uh, same caliber so to speak same quality and it's just super nice only it's only the price that uh, that uh, that holds me back i think it's uh oh you got that i thought you were going to try and sidestep it 
No, no, no. no. I think it's 4,500, or at least that was the price during introduction. And that's not even half bad for the, 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 the watch that you get for this money. I mean, it's half price of a Pro Prof. It's uh, less than half of a, of a deep sea. So I think value for money, this is super, super nice. It's just uh, still... That isn't, that is an interesting, interesting take on it. You know, it's a gorgeous watch. You actually surprised me a little bit. I thought you were going to take the... Um, the 39. I thought you were going to go for, for that route. But, uh, yeah, I, I like that 39. It comes very close to a Marine Master. Um, mm-hmm. It's based mm-hmm. on that uh, 62 Mass, if I'm not mistaken, the Correct. original yeah. one. Yeah, um, yeah I, I love that one as well. But if I really need to pick one, then it's the, it's the, it's the SLA 041. Yeah, Beautiful I mean, I, I agree with yeah. you. I think it, it, it's... And it's uh, something different. It's something different. Very different, um, yeah. Uh, I used to have a sea dweller. I do have my Pro Prof. I did have the Grandfather Tuna, and I think it's really time for me to add this Marine Master, or well, they call it different uh, these days, the SLA zero forty one. Should add me, one to the collection yeah. again. Yeah, that it's one a, comes a, to life with that red text on the dial. Again, it's a text yeah. text triumph. It's a lot of text. It's like six lines in total, but um, it looks like a technical tool. It looks awesome. Nice mixture of colors, blue, green, gray, whatever you want to call it. Uh, awesome stuff. Yeah. Yeah, but- beautiful. And I have to say, if, if if I need to pick a... This is, of course, a Seiko of 4,500, and there are a lot of Seikos in that price range, but um, I also see that the, the top-seller Seiko watches are, of course, different ones. And I have to say, I like the new Seiko 5 Sports. I have one of those on a mesh bracelet. I don't know the reference by heart. But uh, I bought one of those uh, last year, and I really like it. I like the Arnie from uh, from last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, from this year, I like Street Fighter once because I played Street Fighter as a kid on my uh, Super Nintendo and later on on my Sony PlayStation. I think the first Sony PlayStation I had. Um, so I really like those uh, those releases as well. And I have to say, I'm really warming up to the Alpinist. I really like that collection. And um, nice segue. Yeah, and, and I have to say, Mike, almost. Mike, almost. Mike Stockton, he showed the wide dial uh, Alpinist earlier this year. Um, I don't know the number by heart. It's the 117, I think. I have to look it up. But it's the, the one with the wide dial, and I really say I have to like I, I like it. And I also like the, the, the specials uh, they are doing, and they, they, they come up with some really nice variations on the on the Alpinist dial. And I have to say for that kind of money, you get a lot of watch. Mm-hmm. You sure do. Yeah. You get a lot of watch for that. It's a, it's a prospect. So professional specifications, um, there's not much you can't do with the watch basically. So you can really use it as your everyday go-to watch. It's could also be your only watch, so to speak for the rest of, uh, of your life or, um, well, that's I like that. Don't go down. Yeah, but- you know, I mean, it's a great watch. 200 meters water resistance. It has the 6R35 caliber, which is a pretty good uh, pretty good movement. And it's very wearable. It's below 40 millimeter, if I'm not mistaken. And um, you can use it on a strap. They're, they have models on a, on a steel bracelet. You can put a NATO on it. Very versatile watch. It's a bit of the, and I wrote that, it's a bit of the Explorer watch from, from Seiko. And um, it fits that lifestyle. It fits that, um, that yeah. That 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 uh, daily beater type of watch. So you're talking about the specifically like the white dial one with the Arabic numerals that Mike wrote about earlier in the year. 
Yes. Right. Okay. Yeah. 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 Cool. Cool. So. So last last Sunday I mentioned the one seventeen, which is the, the a bit of a grayish dial. Yeah. But um, uh, the white dial has a different uh, different reference, and I, I have to say I like white dials. Um, I go in. I go in phases on the white dial, dark dial thing. I'm, I'm currently in a dark dial phase, but you know that that oh. white dial is is pretty crisp and pretty clear. But that one's got a compass on it, right? So let's just talk about this for a second because the Alpinist collection or the designation of the Alpinist term is a funny mm-hmm. old thing. So when the Alpinist term was first applied to Seiko watches, it was applied to watches that don't look anything like what we think an Alpinist is today. But because it was the only time the alpinist name had ever been used it was taken as gospel that that's what an alpinist was obviously and then it evolved to feature a compass now my question is can the alpinist then de-evolve to not feature either the name or the compass because there's a lot of consternation within the Seiko community of what is an alpinist and what's a, a falpinist, as we've been calling it, a fake alpinist. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Stupid okay, word. Okay. It's kind of funny. I, okay. I think I have the answer. Oh, wow. Yeah, I just came up with it. Um, <laughs> I just I just said that the alpinist is a bit of the explorer for Seiko people, for right. Seiko collectors and, and people who, who love Seiko watches. Um. Of course, there was first the Rolex Explorer and then the Explorer 2. But I think it's somewhat similar, where the Explorer 2 has this GMT hand function right. that wasn't really used for GMT, but more of a day-night indicator for uh, people that were in caves. Um, the Explorer 1 doesn't have any of that. It's just a very, very legible dial and a very basic, should I say, tool watch. Yeah, and. It's effectively an oyster perpetual with some Arabic numerals slapped on it. Yes, and I love both. I like the, the first Explorer too. I really love it, the the, the one six five five and well, the normal good. Explorer. I love I love as well. It's a classic. I think it's one of the most clean Rolex sports models there is. But let's not drift. If we if we if we pro- project that on on Seiko watches on the Alpinist and the, and the Felpinist, <laughs> <laughs> I think the Felpinist is the Explorer, where the normal Alpinist is the Explorer too. Right, um, and I'm I'm totally happy to to make that comparison to to live with it as that I, I don't think that um, a family name should necessarily prescribe the functions of a watch. I think maybe uh-huh. the core identity, or well, if we're talking about a family, let's say a DNA. You know, there has to be some sort of thread that makes sense. It could be stylistic or it could be purpose driven. The two explorers from Rolex have nothing to do with each other. They, apart from what they're supposed to be used for. And the Explorer 1 is only really designated as the Explorer watch because it was based on some perpetuals that explorers wore during some of mankind's greatest endeavors. So it's really just, yeah. you know, it's, just, it's a style that's stuck to a purpose that really the Oyster Perpetual is more than capable of undertaking itself. Then the Explorer 2 came along and it had like, added functionality that was, like you say, useful, especially for people in caves. And now mm-hmm. we have this family that is bound together by its purpose rather than its looks. And when it comes to the Alpinist, yeah, you've got the early days of the Alpinist family that don't really make any sense through a modern filter, but it evolved again into this this uh, clique of watches, so we say, that is, is designed to serve that particular purpose. And I think that they both do that just fine. Um, I, I don't know. It'd be interesting to see if Rolex ever released an Explorer 2 without a GMT. No, never. 
I mean, they wouldn't, would they? But no. Maybe that's yeah. the problem with him. I, because, you know, like some of the Seiko community have reacted uh, strongly uh, to these new alpinists, these new time and date alpinists that we covered the other day um, and said they're not alpinists because they don't have a compass. But to me, that doesn't really hold much water. That argument is a bit weak. Mm-hmm. 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 I agree. I said it. I have. To, I really like the the, the falconist. Um, um, I like the the blue and the green, but I have to say, if I would pick one, it'd still be the the the, the grayish one. Was it gray fading to black in the? Yeah, same here. Absolutely, absolutely. It's beautiful. Same. I think it's a, a quite a timeless uh, thing. And blue and green. I mean, it's it's happening now, and it was happening perhaps five years ago, but. Uh, to play safe, I think uh, I would go for the for the perhaps the most boring one. I don't know, but I really like it. It's a very nice piece, and I think price wise they're spot on, and they just look good. And um, but I also have to admit, I'm more of a true alpinist guy, so I like the compass. I like to have that function. Although me too. I, me too. I I used to be a although I don't want to go this way. Basically, I used to be a boy scout when I was young. Oh, it's man. a big. You are you are um, bringing out um, skeletons from your closet today. Yeah, terrible should... swimming badge and your boy scout. It was only for a few months. It was only for a few months because uh, my dad said, "Yeah, well, um, at a certain age, I was very young, but he said he always told me at a certain age is not really um, proper." or normal anymore if you're part of boy scouts and i tend to agree a bit <laughs> a bit with him but i was very young i think i was seven or eight or something and, and um oh well I, I shouldn't really mock you because i was actually briefly a scout myself and older than older than you i think i was probably about 29 when i first joined you oh, know what yeah, makes nice. new friends you yeah. know as it were yeah uh, around but yeah, so camp. that's where where we did this. I don't know if it, if it's a proper English word, but we did these droppings. Uh-huh. They they take you in a car, what? And they in the, in the dark, and they drop you somewhere, and you have <laughs> to find oh, your God. way back to the to the to the scouts' headquarters. Oh no, this is definitely another podcast. We can't do this on for <laughs> I, I want to ask so many questions. I just don't want to get into it. Okay, we'll keep it for another podcast. But how anyway, many how many kids didn't make it back? That's what I want to know. <laughs> Where are oh, we, we, we? We never waited. We never waited, and uh, there were of course parents there as well to to uh, to escort. And uh, my, my dad, yeah, my dad was there as well. So we we made it back, and uh, my father was quite the uh, the alpinist or explorer. And um, uh, we made it back in time, and we didn't wait for the last ones to come back. So I never, I, I don't know if they ever got back to the clubhouse good but uh, it's just so dark. We, it's very dark but long story short uh that, that's where i think for the first time i i, I learned to use a compass <laughs> God, talk, talk about necessity jesus <laughs> yeah i can imagine i bet if i drop you in a shark tank you'd, you'd learn how to swim a bit faster as well um but yeah, that's true. That's true. So you learned to use a compass in the dark when you're dropped in the middle of nowhere by your and I and I'm I'm air quoting here, Skype master. Okay. <laughs> okay, cool. Sounds a bit uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. This, this so, is the okay. kind of thing that Alpine. you bring up in therapy and then you realize that it wasn't okay. But anyway, the album start crying. Yeah. But yeah, and I in the meantime, during my uh, longish story, I also looked up the number of the white dial one. It's the SPB one one nine. That's one I really like. 
I, I will also tell you what I don't like because I think we have some uh, some uh, we, can, we can also tell, uh, talk about things we don't like. I don't like the straps on many of these alpinists. I I love I love them on the alpinist that we uh, had uh, yeah. in our studio, but with the uh, alpinist they are a bit too um, too padded, too heavily padded for me. Oh, you think so? Yeah, yeah they, they are a bit dressy. I think I, well, I don't I don't like the sort of. Um... The, the freshness of them, I suppose, how, how neat and um, professional they look. I know the Alpinist, compass or not, is a versatile watch, and it can be worn in a lot of occasions. And like you said, it is you know a real contender for one of the best daily watches out there. But for me, uh, as a, a rugged former scout that doesn't mind being dropped in the middle of nowhere at midnight with naught but a torch and my wits to survive upon... Uh, I would definitely take the bracelet or put it on something like a rough um, aged vintage leather Zulu or something along those lines. Yeah. That'd look yeah. Cool. That would look Or a NATO or a normal uh, bit of a vintage looking strap. That would be very nice. I tell, you, um, I tell you what I would like. I would like to see those solid markers, like the, the triangular markers on the black dial on a few more, on a few more colors as well. That would be cool. Yeah. Definitely. And what do you think? There's also a lot of discussion about uh, the Prospects logo on the dial. And personally, I don't mind it. I also don't mind it with the Marine Master. They, when we went from SBDX001 that I have to the 017 to the SLA021 uh, uh, and so on and so on, they, they, they removed Marine Master and they put some Prospect stuff on there and I don't mind it because I think Prospect stands for something very cool. It's a very cool product line and a very nice thought behind it that you have a watch with professional specifications. Um, and the basic, they are in the end. And, and I think it's a, a logo to be proud of, to be honest. And I don't also don't dislike the logo, how it looks. Yeah. Um, well, I'll level with you. Um, nine times out of 10, or let me say eight times out of 10, I don't like it. And I could do without it. Big time. Um, I think double logoing uh, is never a good idea. And I know Seiko is just a word mark, but it's a really identifiable word mark. It's a logo in itself. That typeface is iconic, I think, in the true sense of the word. The Alpinist has, I mean, the Compass Alpinist at least, has got two crowns, which for me is a perfect place for a logo like the Prospects logo. It does remind me a bit of Novak Djokovic's logo for some reason. I know it predates that, and I know it's probably because he's a Seiko ambassador, but the two kind of like, crossover in my mind in this particular instance i don't mind it at all i think it adds a nice balance to the dial and i think it's okay mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. but yeah eight times out of ten i would say forget it um the less text the better oftentimes i can even do without brands primary logos on a dial you know just give me the word mark keep it nice and clean i certainly am not one of those people that wants text reduced to to nothing but, you know, balance is what I'm all about. And I think that um, sometimes the Prospects logo can sort of look like it's just sort of strode into the middle of a dial and sort of plunked itself down and been like, oh, hey, hey, I'm back. You remember me? I'm like, mm -hmm. I'm a professional. Like, I can be here. And I'm like, yeah, you're professional. And yeah, there's a purpose there and you stand for something really cool. But I know that already. You know, I'm, I'm an informed watch purchaser. Like, you don't buy a Prospects by accident, I don't think. So do you need to be told? I could do about it. Do I mind it on the Alpinists? Not at all. Looks all right. Okay. Okay. So I'm on the fence. You can perch me right up there on the fence when it comes to that. Yeah. I don't mind it on the Alpinist. I also don't mind it on the 
formerly known as uh, Marine Master, the SLA021 uh, is the current one, I think. Yeah, but um, look at the SLA041J1 that you were just extolling previously, like that absolute bad boy of a hockey puck. That doesn't have it. And yeah, true. that just looks just so crisp and clean, even with six lines of text. And that's a yeah, crazy amount of text. True. Uh, and I think if they added the the prospects logo, it would be a bit much. Oh yeah, if they would remove uh, something, I wouldn't mind it, especially if it was red, for example, and then instead of the magnetic resistant uh, forty thousand uh, AM, I think could work. This is also nice. I have to admit, this is also nice. It's a lot of lines of text, but it it looks good. And uh, yeah, I mean, it looks like a real looks like a real instrument, and I think that's why I defend dive watches. Uh, specifically when they have a lot of text on the dial, like Sea Dweller dials. Some people like balk at the essay and say, oh, it's just ridiculous. But for me, like kind of want that. And the same with the Pelagos as well. Like the, the, especially the LHD, which is my favorite Pelagos by a mile. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. I just think it looks ace. It just looks so technical. And it, the, the kid inside me, the one that made it out of the woods, the one that made it back to the scout hut, he's jumping up and down with joy because it reminds him of, opening up a Lego set on Christmas morning and, you know, looking at an instruction manual and whatnot. It has that kind of vibe to me. So yeah. uh, it appeals to the Fair child enough. inside. Fair enough. Okay. Good. Then, well, these uh, are some interesting choices, I have to say. And I'm also happy we discussed uh, the Felpenist and the Alpenist a bit. And um, yeah, I like them. I like uh, both, both the Felpenist and the Alpenist. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, for me, and I think for you as well, the compass is is probably the uh, the preference, and it would be nice to see more variations of that in the future. That would be something cool because I think there's a lot of scope to that collection, and there's a lot that can be yeah. done. With it. Definitely agree on that. Yeah, I I think we will see some more uh, Psycho uh, watches coming out this year. Again, for them, it's a, a big big year, uh, 60th anniversary of the Grand Seiko, which is basically technically a different company. And 55, uh, 55th anniversary of their uh, divers watches and um, yeah I think we'll see some more uh, interesting um, um, watches released uh, by, by, by Seiko and they never they never disappoint uh, they, there's always some some collection some line up there that uh, that's surprising um, they surprised me with the with the with the Brian May one for example I didn't like it but I know that Gerard l- likes it a lot and I think you or Someone else from the team was also very much uh, into it. No, it wasn't me. I didn't get it at all, but I really appreciated uh, G Chu's uh, enthusiasm for it. I thought that was uh, it was nice to see. I wasn't sure if he was kidding at first, though, because he went really overboard. Like he really, really loved it, and I thought, hey, yeah. I mean, it's 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 different, but like I wasn't sure if he was pulling my leg. If if I was if he was trying to drum up the interest, or maybe I thought oh, perhaps he's like accidentally bought one. On it, you know, on his phone, like he sat on it and he's bought himself like uh, one of these Brian Mays, and he's trying to drum up the interest to sell it to me for a, for a profit. Um, exactly. No, I mean it's cool. It's 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 cool that a brand like Seiko does stuff like that. It takes chances and experiments, and you know, I'm I'm not blind to the fact that I've just picked my watch of the year as a oversized diver decorated with three manta rays swimming across the dial. So it's not like I occupy a, a sacrosanct position of uh, of uh, style, style uh, 
decisions. Like G2 likes the Brian May, I like the Manta Rays, like whatever. It's each to each to their own. They're both a bit crazy. They're both a bit out there. They're in the same vein. I think uh, things that we should celebrate Seiko for, that they, they still have like the character and uh, the guts to do stuff like that. It's tough. Yeah, true. true. So I'm eagerly awaiting that uh, Silver Wave re-edition that you want. Well, you know, if they want to, if they want to call me and talk about it, I'm I'm always available. I think it would be a really cool thing to see and and uh, a, a nice uh, a nice uh, chapter to the brand's history that's uh, due to be reopened. Yeah, I think so too. Good. Then uh, I think that's it for this uh, this episode of our podcast for Tello on Air. Episode and, uh, We almost made it to an hour. Can you believe it? Unreal. And um, if you have any questions or comments, you can reach out to us by sending an email to info at fratello.com. You can follow us on Instagram at Fratello Watches, and you can follow me at RJ Brewer and, uh, and you, Rob. Yeah, I'm there as well at Rob Nuds. Straightforward. If you can spell my name, that's N U D D S. Please remember the S. Many people don't. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll keep this in okay thanks for listening uh, thanks for joining on this podcast uh, Rob and hopefully we'll do some more uh, together soon hope so speak soon bye